Good afternoon and welcome to this edition of the 21 News Podcast. Without a single vote having been cast in the 2024 presidential primary season yet, we now know that it'll be at least a three-person race. That's after RFK Jr., Robert F. Kennedy Jr., has announced that rather than challenging Joe Biden in the Democratic primary, he intends to run as an independent candidate. With me today to discuss the potential implications on the race is Professor David Niven of the University of Cincinnati. Thank you for being with me today. That's my pleasure. So, I mean, I'm just going to jump right in here. Obviously, whenever there's an independent candidate in the race, the question is, do they have enough sort of juice to play spoiler? And it would seem that RFK Jr. probably does, doesn't he? I mean, the early polls in the Democratic primary, he was, you know, not coming anywhere near looking to be a threat to Joe Biden, but he was pulling decent numbers. Well, he has a couple of things going for him. He has almost the perfect Democratic name. I mean, his family's name still resonates with an awful lot of of voters and obviously uh, resonates in American political history. Very importantly, he has a lot of financial backers, big, you know, big dollar backers. And in the modern climate, it doesn't take a lot of rich people to to back a presidential campaign and give them access to, you know, a professionally run campaign, give them access to the kinds of things that third party and independent candidates don't usually have, like TV ads and, and you know, and you know, well-funded travel and all that sort of thing. And of course, the third thing he has going for him, you know, is he has a a niche issue. He has long been associated with the anti-vaccine, you know, uh, community. And so he has a group of people who will pay attention to him, which is not something you can normally say about the average independent candidate. Now, to that point, and the fact that you mentioned, you know, yes, of course, he's got about the perfect Democratic name um, in the in the Democratic Party in that his name is Kennedy, but he doesn't necessarily have the perfect name within his own family. Um, he's he's an outlier among the Kennedy family for a number of reasons, the anti-vaccine position being one of them. Um, on the flip side, he also has a long history of fighting for environmental causes, which does appeal to some on the left. So I guess... My question is, is it possible that he does play spoiler, but not necessarily the way people expect? Because other issues he's talking about are not necessarily going to hurt Joe Biden also. This is a guy who talks about the U.S. spending too much money in the Ukraine. This is somebody, again, we mentioned the anti-vaccine position. This is somebody who talks about the influence of big tech. Might there not be enough Republicans who don't like the baggage of Donald Trump who might start looking at this guy. Well, that is one of the odd elements about this. You know, he's somebody who superficially would be associated with the Democratic Party. He's somebody whose family name is royalty in the Democratic Party. But if you stripped away his name and just listened to what he said, it's, you know, pretty Trumpy. It's it's anti-government, it's anti-science, you know, it's anti sort of the kind of role in the world that most you know traditional american leaders have sought where america is is an active force you know for peace and american values you know are advanced that way you know, if you strip the name out you clearly would not have somebody who would be at home in the democratic party um, you know in terms of what this means for november let's be clear 
first is the question of how many ballots does he make? Because that's a that's a major, major part when somebody is running third party or independent. Are they even on the ballot? You know, we'll see collectively dozens of candidates say they're running for president. Last time in Ohio, four of them made the ballot. So, you know, beyond the Democrat and the Republican, just two candidates. So that's challenge one. He has going for him you know, a a deep pocketed campaign. So he'll probably do very well on that. Once he makes the ballot, how does he gain relevance? And this is the part that's that's really difficult political math, because on the one hand, the Biden folks fear giving folks who are anti-Trump an alternative. You know, they want every single vote among folks who are anti-Trump. But what he actually says and what he actually stands for could be a landing place for that, you know, remaining sliver of the Republican Party who don't embrace Donald Trump. And so could take a few votes away from Trump among people who don't like Biden, but don't really want to put their ballot in Trump's hand. And that's not an insignificant number, right? I mean, as as I look at it, you know, when you were looking at polls that showed it being Biden, RFK, and some of them throw Marianne Williamson into the mix, you know, Biden seems to have a very unified Democratic Party. Now, on the Republican side, most of the headlines are about how big his lead is among the field, but it's a bigger field. And when you add it up and remember the narrow margin that he got elected by in the first place in 2016, as well as the margins in 2020, there's a not insignificant number of Republicans who are at least not favoring Trump as their first choice. And it's unclear how many of them are, quote unquote, never Trumpers. So there's an appeal there. It, it, it would seem to me that there's a there's an opening. There's more of an opening on that side for a guy like RFK than there is on the Democratic side. I guess I'm wondering if he's more Ross Perot or more Ralph Nader. Well, you know, that's that's the big question. I think if you gave the candidates, you know, sort of three wishes from a genie, I think the Biden folks would say we don't want third party candidates. Let's make this a clean campaign versus, you know, Biden versus Trump. And let's make this as direct a choice as possible. We win that comparison as as we understand it. However, that doesn't mean they might actually in the end might not actually come out ahead from this. That, you know, one of the things we've seen, even as Trump has dominated Republican politics, you know, we've seen the limits of that. You know, think about the uh, U.S. Senate campaign in Ohio in 2022. Trump endorses Vance in the primary. And yes, Vance wins, but Vance only wins by a narrow margin. The vast, vast majority of Ohio Republicans didn't jump on board. So, you know, if there's, you know, a population out there, now let's put it in the Ohio context. There's a population of Republicans out there who just this summer voted against their own party on the the issue one question about changing the constitution. There's a population of Ohio Republicans out there who didn't follow uh, the Trump endorsement of Vance. If those folks, you know, can't vote for Biden, they're 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 not Democrats, they don't want to vote for Biden, but they want to register disapproval of Trump, you know, RFK Jr. gives them an outlet and he may even give them some satisfaction in some of the things that he talks about that certainly are much closer to where the Republican base is on issues than the Democratic base. You think there's a decent likelihood he makes it to the debate stage in the general election 
phase. And I know we're way out here. I mean, we're assuming we know who the nominees are. And technically, we don't even know that. Well, you're right. And that, that's, a, that's a good caveat that a lot could happen between now and then for a whole host of reasons. The, the existing debate structure calls for third party candidates to make the stage if they have 15 percent of the vote. You know, the short answer to your question is there's no reason to expect the existing debate structure to survive. You know, I think there's a very good chance that Trump refuses to debate under any circumstances if he's the nominee. I think, you know, adding a third party candidate to the equation just makes it that much more complicated. But let's just get to the heart of the question. Does RFK Jr. have a chance to get to 15 percent? It's difficult because let's understand people will offer sort of very tepid support to a new name or a new face, you know, because they'd like to have more choices. But the closer you get to election day, the more America's focus tends to hone in on the two party candidates. You know, Ohio last time, 2020, as an example, you know, how many votes did our third and fourth party candidates get collectively? Put them together, they got less than one and a half percent of the vote. So, you know, I mean, that's really common. We haven't seen a third party candidate crack 10 percent of the vote nationwide, you know, since Ross Perot ran in the early 90s. We haven't seen a third party candidate win a state since 1968. So it's it would be a monumental achievement for uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. to stay afloat in the polls, but he doesn't need to stay in the flo- afloat in the polls to be consequential. You know, you just look at you know Nevada, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, uh, Arizona, close states in 2020. A third party candidate's you know margin of vote can easily eclipse the difference between the first and second place candidates. Um, is there anything I'm missing in this dynamic you'd like to make sure we hit on here? <laughs> I mean, I think just the interesting dynamic, you you touched on it, that, you know, Robert Kennedy Jr.'s brothers and sisters immediately uh, denounced him and said that he shares their father's name, but not their father's values. And I think, you know, that is such a interesting thing in modern American politics, where, you know, we've seen this you know, on the personal level, how many families have difficulty getting together on Thanksgiving because, you know, different political viewpoints have made them incompatible as family members. You know, this is that on the national stage. This is that on a on a historic stage. And I do think that is an interesting dynamic here that that folks could be, you know, straying so far from the values of the family that they grew up in, you know, and what that means for American politics. It certainly makes his life harder as a candidate when you think of the people who know him best saying that he is not a sincere person who's worthy of your vote. Well, particularly if they show up on the campaign trail with Joe Biden, which I think is a pretty decent likelihood if it looks like he's gaining any real traction. Oh, absolutely. I don't think there's any doubt that that the Kennedy family will do everything they possibly can, you know, personally and, and politically to to aid the Biden campaign. And, you know, it, it's a great study in psychology, you know, the willingness to defy every every connection you've had over your entire life, the willingness to defy that family, you know, um, you know, that, that binds you uh, for you know, a, a quixotic campaign for, you know, certainly an awful lot more attention that you would have received in any other context. But still, 
you know, a, a bit of a tilting at windmills situation in which you're going out there um, and trying to chart a path that nobody has successfully charted um, really in American history. David Niven, I appreciate your time with me today. Thank you very much. We'll keep watching this, and I'm sure we're going to talk to you a lot over the next year and a half or so, and then in the aftermath also. All right. My pleasure. Thank you very much.